Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Uh, unreal team speed on, on, on the offensive side. Uh, that's really where my focus has uh, been the last uh, hour or two. Um, and it seems like they added to it uh, uh, this offseason, right? So um, very good skill. Uh, Tua is, is uh, throwing the ball extremely well. Um, and they just, their, their schematics are, are almost revolutionary in what they do. I mean, it's Coach McDaniel's very, uh, very creative and, and uh, does a lot of things to, um, to get you out of position on defense. Sean McDermott, coach of the Bills, doing a little press conference from his office. I noticed the wind whipping in the background. I'm sure they're hoping for some of that on Sunday when the Miami Dolphins come to town to take on the Bills for the first of their two clashes this year. One of the great games of the week. The Dolphins operating a next-level offense. MDS had a story last night about the way they're using motion, and they use it in such a sudden way. It's mm-hmm. just that last wrench in the brains of the defense before the snap as to what the hell is coming. The no-look passes from Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the unstoppable rushing attack. Tyree Kill, they did all that on Sunday without Jalen Waddle. Are you kidding me? The offensive line in year two of the Mike McDaniel system. I can understand why Sean McDermott is looking at this saying, well, I remember when we were the best team in the AFC East, and right now it's not us. We're going to have to beat a team better than us across the board, really, except for the quarterback position. I'd still put Josh Allen ahead of Tua, but it's closer than it's ever been, the way Tua's been performing and the way he's running that offense. Tua is the one, and we're going to talk about this coming up, how the MVP odds are skewing in his favor, and how could it not after you orchestrate the 70-point outburst, even though he wasn't on the field for a lot of them because they pulled him out for the backup because it was, you know, stop the fight and throw the towel. Yeah, I mean, what do you said about the offense being almost revolutionary? It's interesting. You don't usually hear coaches talk like that, but 
I think there is some truth to that. And especially with the way that the Dolphins have been using motion. Because I noticed that in week one, when I was um, doing the Chargers and Dolphins game for PFT, I, you're seeing Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and whoever else, they're out in uh, in space and then they're motioning out very suddenly, as you said. And I just, it's not something that I've really seen before, right before the snap, when it's coming from that far out, you know, and it's something else that for defenses have to adjust to, they've got to think about. And then after the snap, it's like, oh my goodness, what are these route combinations? What is it that we have to look for, especially because they can run it now better than they did last year. I mean, you have HN going over 200 yards. I mean, this is nuts. I mean, part of that was, I don't know that the Broncos tackled anybody last week. I mean, they still may be trying to tackle one of, you know, Miami's players right now and failing at it. That was atrocious from a defensive standpoint. And I know they know that, but just what the Dolphins are doing right now is so effective in part because it's just taking stuff that we've seen, but it's layering things onto it in such a way that makes it difficult to, to scheme against A. But then when you have to execute against that team speed, right? Tyreek Hill is so damn fast. You know, Jalen Waddle wasn't on the field last week, but he is so damn fast. HM, fast dude, right? Most fast guy. And then you see stuff like this where Tonga Vailoa looks like he's going to Tyreek Hill in the backfield. And then whoop, he just like flips that thing right in front of him. It's crazy what they're doing. And they're executing it at such a high level that right now, because not as much of it is on film, I think it might be a little bit more difficult for opponents to study, even if they are divisional opponents. And, you know, the, the Bills last year went against the Dolphins three times. Now, they didn't go against Tua Tonga Vailoa three times, but they still did go against the, the Dolphins. So it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I wish this game were not in the one o'clock window. No, I wish it were at 425 so we could all see it a little bit better. I mean, I'd have to go back and watch it. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this one. Well, I like that it's in the one o'clock window, even though there's nine games. I think 10 this weekend in that window because the one o'clock games are the ones that we really get to study. By the time we get to 425, we're in full-on preparation for football night in America. You are, so, yeah. Uh, this is the one. This is the one to watch. This is the one to watch in the 1 o'clock window on Sunday. You know, they talk about red dot players in the NFL, the player that you have to know where he is at all times, the player that you have to try to stop, the player that gets game-planned against. The Dolphins have multiple red dot players on offense. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you start deploying them the way that they have, and you talked about film study, I have a feeling that Mike McDaniel has already planned out how they're going to stay ahead of the film study. And I bet they've got stuff cooked up that is aimed at duping someone into thinking they're going to do this and they do something else. You know, the next time they set up the play that was a no-look pass, maybe he does flip it to Tyree Kill instead. Mm -hmm. And once you start focusing a little bit less on one guy, that's when he gets the ball. Then you focus on him, somebody else gets the ball. You see this formation, they know what you did out of that formation in the past. They're ready for it. You do something else out of the exact same formation. That's the kind of intellect and brain power that Mike McDaniel has and that he applies to his team. And that's why in year two, the players are better at running it. And I think he's going to be better at devising things. So you have to be ready for anything. You have to be on your heels all the time. That's what good offenses do. They keep the defense guessing all the time. That's why balance is so important. When you skew too far toward one or the other, the defense knows ahead of time, or at least is pretty confident in its guess that you're going to do the thing that you do all the time. 
makes it easier to stop you. That first question, run or pass, if you resolve that the right way, a little bit easier for the defense to get it done. Now, I don't think it could have – I think they could have come up to the line and just shouted out what the play is to the Broncos on Sunday and still scored 70. But it's just a sign mm-hmm. of things to come for this team. Because think about it, Miles. How many offenses are sputtering to start the season? Oh, yeah, and man. it just feels like it's going to take time for them to find their groove. The Dolphins are the well-oiled machine. For them, it mm-hmm. continues to be keep your key players healthy. They keep their key players yes. healthy – and they feel like, to me, the AFC team of destiny through three weeks. And some people got mad that I started using that term yesterday in the power rankings, and the power rankings are coming up later. But destiny reveals itself usually pretty early in a season. You get a sense of which teams have that vibe to them, that have that yes. we're different than everyone else, and it feels like this is our year. Whether it comes to fruition is a different issue, but it's starting to feel like Dolphins in the AFC and 49ers in the NFC. Absolutely. And, you know, you bring up the 49ers. And this is a point I was going to make. It's like there. I don't remember exactly where I read this. And it was an article somewhere. And I wish I could give the proper credit, but it's not in front of me. There was somebody on the 49ers who was talking about what Kyle Shanahan does to set up things offensively. Right. So he may be running one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, and then boom, he runs something off of it, but he's setting up the thing that he can run off of it by running one specific play because he wants you to have that in your brain so that when you see the thing that they run off of it, you're not ready for it. And who did Mike McDaniel work with for years and years and years and years? Well, Kyle Shanahan. So that's the kind of thing that Mike McDaniel is doing now with the Miami Dolphins. He is setting all kinds of different things up just by running certain plays, right? And I think we are seeing some of the effects of that. You don't score 70 points without having some of the effects of that where you think one thing's coming and then another thing hits you in the face. But I think Mike McDaniel is executing that right now at a very, very high level. And when you've got the head coach and offensive play caller working so well hand-in-hand with the quarterback as he is right now with Tua Tungavailoa, really sky's the limit. So I'm, I'm really impressed by the Dolphins right now. This is what I thought that they could be coming into the year. But to see it executed like this, man, it, it's really, really fun to watch. By the way, and I don't like to peek too far ahead on the schedule, but week seven, October 22, Sunday Night Football, Dolphins at Eagles on NBC and, and streaming on Peacock. So we're going to get the, right. to watch and enjoy the Dolphins again in primetime. We saw them week two against the Patriots. We're going to see them again coming up in a few weeks against the Philadelphia Eagles. So now that the Dolphins have had this almost historic performance, 70 points scored for the first time since 1966. That's the Super historic. Bowl odds almost historic. That's historic. It's, it's barely in okay. your lifetime, right? Almost. I mean, that's it's way before my okay. time. Like, let's, hey, let's you know, give them their due. It's historic. Almost record setting is what I meant to say. It's not the go. record. They could have had the record. They chose not to. And I support the decision not to seek the record. Historic in the event that it hasn't happened since 1966. Okay. Super Bowl odds have shifted from plus 1300 to plus 900. That means 13 to 1 to 9 to 1. They are now 4.5 to 1 to win the conference, and they are the favorites to win the division at minus 160. I assume they're the favorites. I doubt that anybody else has lower odds than you got to bet 160 to win 100. And uh, for Tua, 
to be the NFL MVP. Six to one down to plus three eighty. Technically three point eight to one. He would be right now, after three weeks. And look, we spend so much time talking about MVP candidate and who's the guy now. At the end of the day, the quarterbacks of the one seeds in each conference are the first guys to look at. And then the other Mm -hmm. question is, has someone else done something really historic for a winning team? If it's a winning team, you got a shot at being MVP. Otherwise, you're offensive player of the year. But we have seen the pattern play out. A quarterback of one of the top seeds, especially now that it's down to one team with a bye in each conference. It used to be the one or two seed. Now it's the one seeds. One in each conference. Tua and Brock Purdy at this point would be the two primary candidates. Micah Parsons, I was on the MVP train when they were undefeated. After what happened with the Cardinals, Micah Parsons down. He could still rise back up again. Right now, if I had to vote right now, based on three weeks, and again, it's pointless because we got 15 more weeks to go, but Tua would get my vote. Now, can he stay healthy? Can he stay effective? But if he keeps doing what he's done the first three weeks, there's no reason to think he won't be the MVP, Miles. Uh, unless, okay, what if Tyreek Hill has 2,000 yards and 18 touchdowns? I mean, like that's the only way I can be like, well, you know, I mean, Tyreek Hill is a big, big, big part of that offense. And that would probably at least make him offensive player of the year. But I think that if he's oh. doing that and he's setting that record, right, then there is an argument there that he would potentially be MVP. But I think if that happens, that means Tua Tungvaluwa is delivering him the ball. And so how much credit do we give to Tyreek Hill and his speed and his route running and all of that versus Tua Tungvaluwa getting him the ball? I don't know. I mean, it, that, that's that's one of those where it's like, okay, well, that's the other MVP candidate for me right now on the Dolphins. No receiver has ever won NFL MVP. A kicker has. Two defensive players have. No receiver has ever won it. And I think one of the reasons why is for that receiver to have a great year, there's a quarterback who's having the great year who would get the consideration. And you could have a dynamic where you split votes and you open a door for a Brock Purdy or a Christian McCaffrey. They may split votes too. Then maybe Michael Parsons is the one who gets it when the (laughs) dust settles. I mean, it could be a lot of guys. And now that you do multiple, you do five, if I recall correctly. I think you do five. I voted last year, and I forget. But it used to be one vote. Maybe it's three, but you put multiple names, and so you have multiple guys getting points for MVP. So it could be a big cluster. And here's the other side of it, too. And I'm not saying I'm going to let it affect me, but you got 50 different human beings who are casting those ballots. And Tyree Kill's got some spotty stuff on his resume that some people may have a hard time getting past, specifically the admitted choking and punching of a pregnant girlfriend at Oklahoma State Mm -hmm. some seven, eight years ago. If it's down to two or him and you can't decide which one at some point, are there going to be voters who are subconsciously influenced by that? It's not robots. It's human beings making these decisions. And I, as a voter, will tell you that I will make my decision based upon the calculated analysis of what these guys have done this year but we are not computers and you have to, I think, go out of your way to counter the natural bias that would creep in given the history of Tyreek Hill. All right. Um, so all those odds that we showed earlier, they are courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook and DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the app and use promo code PFTLIVE when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is 
yours. We're going to take a break. When we return, a closer look at this week's power rankings from PFT. Up next here on PFT Live. Five-step drop, rolling to his left, going to step up in the pocket, and it's picked off by A.J. Epinesa going the other way. Blockers in front to the five. Touchdown, Buffalo. Woo! Goff takes, keeps it himself. Left side, touchdown, Detroit Lions. I see you, 16. I see you. (laughs) This is going to be inside the 10. And this is Rob picked up by Beck. Beck still going, running to the right side. Beck has some room. He's at the 50. He's at the 45 of Jacksonville. Beck across the 30, the 20, the 15, 10, 5. Are you kidding? Rock and roll. Touchdown, Houston. In the shotgun, Cousins to pass to the end zone. Up in the air and intercepted. Intercepted in the end zone. Kenneth Murray. Oh, the ball was up in the air for an eternity. Wilson scrambles to the right, pulls up, steps up, steps up. He lost a high throw toward the end zone. That ball will come down in the crowd. It's batted away. It's deflected away. Oh, my God. And nearly caught by Cobb on the goal line. It's incomplete, and the Patriots win it. My God. Great stuff, Humpday Homers. The Texans long touchdown return from Andrew Beck. There was a comment made in the viewing room. I think Pete Demolitis made this observation. There is something to be said for a muff or something weird happening on a kick return that throws off the timing of the coverage team and creates that opportunity to just go. I was at a West Virginia game years ago. I think it was a Thursday night game against Maryland where Darius Raynaud, who played for the Vikings and the Giants and was primarily a kick returner in the NFL, he had a kick bounce off of his face mask, hit the ground, he picked it up, and it was just enough that it threw everything off, and off he went. I mean, this is a fullback. Look at him go. And the guy at the end thinks he has an angle, and he doesn't. I always love it when somebody who knows he's faster than the guy with the ball has an angle, thinks he has an angle, and doesn't. Great play by Andrew Beck. Yeah, that was fun to watch, man. You don't see anybody with that number usually like barrel himself down the field and be able to get into the end zone. And it's true. I mean, when you have a play like that where it gets dropped or like that does throw the timing off and you could tell how the angles got messed up from what the Jaguars were trying to do. But yeah, that's that's a fun play. And kudos to the Houston Texans. I mean, they, they're doing better than I think a lot of us probably thought they would to start the year. Well, they were 0-2, and, and they didn't look great against the Ravens. They didn't look great against the Colts. all right. But they were competitive. They went in. They went in. They went in. C.J. Stroud is off to an historic start. I, I've had a few Texans fans say, why don't you talk more about the Texans? And I said, why don't you win a few more games and wash out some of the stink from that organization the past few years, and then we'll talk more. We're talking now. Oh, yeah. It was a great win to go to Jacksonville and beat the Jaguars by 20 and to have that return at a time when it felt like the Jaguars – we're going to make this thing a game and come back and win like we all thought they would. The Texans kept them at bay, and they got the win, and uh, we'll see if they can make it two in a row this weekend against the Steelers. And we'll see where they are now by virtue of that victory over the Jaguars in this week's PFT Power Rankings. 
presented by Toyota. Let's take a look. Week four is upon us, and these are the week four rankings. The Cowboys have been number one, and, you know, it's my fault. Dak Prescott hit the nail on the head. You all believed in us too much. Thank you for not saying how about them Cowboys, because when you praise us, we believe it, and then we go out and we step on a rake, and that's what they did against the Cardinals. So they got dropped back down, and everybody else bumped up one. 49ers at one, Dolphins at two. I thought about making the Dolphins number one. I thought about it, Miles. I came close to doing it, but the 49ers looked pretty damn good on Thursday night, and I didn't want to give in to recency bias. If the 49ers had played Monday night, they would have been the no-brainer number one, given what they did to the Giants. Really? But, they, but the Dolphins won by 50. I mean, when was the last time we saw a team win by 50? And, you know, we can't make the Dolphins number one. I, I feel like it's more you're trying to do the reverse reverse jinx, right? Because the, you put the Cowboys number one last week and then the Cowboys pee down their leg at Arizona and you don't want to see the Dolphins pee down their leg when they go up to Buffalo this weekend. Which, if that's the case, I like it, man. I, re- I respect that. I do. I really wish that these rankings had the kind of power that some people think they do. I really wish. And I've seen others put the Dolphins at number one. So there there will be fodder out there for the Bills to say, hey, you know, the best team in football is coming to town this week, and it's no longer us. So let's uh, let's uh, take our vitamins and say our prayers and eat our Wheaties and rip our shirts off like Hulk Hogan and go out there and beat the Miami Dolphins. So I uh, I, I, I don't know how much of that matters. And I don't think the Dolphins are going to let any of this talk disrupt their vibe. The Cowboys do, and I think the reason the Cowboys do is very simple. Jerry Jones lives for the moment, and yes, he'd love to win a Super Bowl, but he's not going to suspend his enjoyment of his team doing well. So he gets caught up in it, the team gets caught up in it, and they start believing they're better than they are, and it sets the stage for someone like the Cardinals to beat them. And we'll see it happen again, and we'll see it happen again, and it will happen from time to time. But they've had their wake-up call. They'll be fine for a while. Hell, they may beat the 49ers. Sunday night, week five, coming up after the Chiefs-Jets game this week. Next week, 49ers-Cowboys get together. Who boy, would have been a little sexier if the Cowboys hadn't lost on Sunday. But still, the Cowboys will have their chance to do what they did the first couple of weeks, and they'll do it, and then they'll rise again, and then they'll lose to somebody they should have beaten. That's their, that's their reality. I don't think the Dolphins are going to be susceptible to that because they're getting used to winning. They're still learning their way. And I just feel like Mike McDaniel is going to be very adept at insulating that group from all the noise, positive or negative. Oh, yeah. You can't, geez, afraid. You can't smell your own farts too much and enjoy the stink, right? I mean, like, that's, it's kind of easy to do probably in some ways after a 50 point I may have to win leave after that one. 70. <laughs> Well, sorry, but you know, when you're thinking about what does, what does success breed, right? You cannot let that win make you think that, oh my gosh, we're going to go and roll everybody. And I think that they, they understand that they're playing a divisional opponent and they know the bills well enough to say like, look, that, that was one game. We got to put that behind us because if we aren't on our P's and Q's, then the bills are going to stomp us. Like they've stomped their last two opponents. I mean, the bills are still a good team. So like, that's part of it, but I think, you know, if 
the Dolphins beat the Bills and they do it in a convincing fashion, then we may be having a different discussion about the power rankings, you know, and where these two teams are right now at the top. But yeah, it, it looks like the 49ers and the Dolphins right now are, are, are the two best teams in the league. Well, the, the Bills definitely will move up at least a spot if they win on Sunday because the Dolphins will fall behind wherever the Bills are, and the Bills are there at number six. Your Browns moved up six spots after that sluggish, ugly loss in Pittsburgh. I thought the Titans would go in and beat the Cleveland Browns. I was stunned by the the display on both sides of the ball. Defense, awesome, throttled the Tennessee Titans. Offense, Deshaun Watson finally looking, starting to look like. I'm not going to say he looks like. He's starting to look like the guy he was in Houston. Amari Cooper with a great game. They had seven different guys run the ball with Nick Chubb out for the year. They recovered very well from losing the heart and soul of their offense because that's what Nick Chubb is and was. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he will be next year. I don't know that they'll bring him back next year. But one of the reasons they're willing to pay him so much money this year, despite their very strong analytics focus – He is a great leader on that team. So you remove that from the equation, something's got to give. And Amari Cooper stepped up, and Deshaun Watson stepped up, and I I was impressed with what the Browns did. It surprised me. I thought the Titans would win that game, and the Titans were underdogs. I made that one of my best bets, which you know do the opposite, frankly, on my best bets. But uh, the Browns proved me wrong. You know, in the six-day turnaround, just everything, it was too much. Great job by Kevin Stefanski and Jim Schwartz of getting those guys focused and ready. And they're where they deserve to be at number 11. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? If they stay home, they beat the Ravens. Ravens have a lot of injury issues coming up on both sides of the ball, frankly. So it's going to be interesting to see what that elite Browns defense, because look, it's elite right now. I've never seen a Browns defense look like this. My mom has been like, hey, this is kind of what it was like in the 80s. You know, when you had the dogs and everybody was barking at the dog pound, but like, I, I've never in my life seen Cleveland's defense look like this, where everything is attack, attack, attack. And you're, you're doing so well that you've got two tight ends trying to follow Miles Garrett around the formation, and then he just messes with them and makes it so that they can't snap the ball. That is so funny. I've never seen anything like that either. But yeah, one thing I want to address with you on these power rankings. Okay, Mike? How did the Falcons lose to the to the Lions twenty to six and gain three spots? What are we doing well, there? Hey, hey, the Saints lost and they gained a few spots as well. Here's the problem. Uh, There's a bunch of bad teams right. Let me finish. Can I finish? May I please? Okay. There's a bunch of bad teams right now. There's a bunch of bad teams. The Falcons held their own for the most part with the Detroit Lions. It was a tough spot for them to win. And look, the Lions are in the top 10. You know, people are mad that the Steelers are nine. I mean, there are a bunch of bad teams. Let's move to the second screen. I only dropped the Commanders by one spot because they, they uh, even after they got blown out by the Bills. Look at the teams here. There are not a lot of good teams. There are a lot of bad teams. And I finally suspended any credit for 2022 for the Jets and the Giants. Well, for the Giants, it was credit for last year. For the Jets, it was the expectation they would be better than they are this year. I just let them both drop like a stone, both New York teams. You got to prove that you can turn it around at this point. The the grace period is over. You're down, and you got to earn your way back up. 
Well, what about the Bengals? Where are the Bengals so far down there, man? They had a gutty win. Defense played great against the Rams. Like, come on. I, you know, this is still a team. Joe Burrow's that's still good. hard. They still have Joe Burrow. Yeah, but I mean, he's still gutting it out. Joe Burrow, I, Joe I, Burrow's I still hard. It. He is. He's still hard. And that's very clear. Yeah. You're yeah. just trying to you're just trying to disagree with me. You're trying to find something to disagree with me. They beat the Rams, who are not good this year, and the Rams and the Rams. Look where the Rams are. They're at 24 now. The Ram, I thought the Rams were going to win that game uh, going into it, and throughout most of it, I thought the Rams were going to pull it off. So they they beat an immobile, or they got beat by, excuse me, an immobile Joe Burrow. That Bengals team still has issues. Their defense really stepped up, which was a plus. Without the defense doing what it did, the Rams would have won that game, and the Rams would be maybe at number 19 and the Bengals would be farther down. It's still tough. We're still kind of feeling our way through this early part of the season. How much does one game indicate where a team fits in this broader puzzle? And the pieces are going to keep moving around. And I'd like to think they'll stabilize after five, six, seven weeks. But you know, this is one of the things I love and hate about the NFL. I love it as a fan. I hate it as somebody who's supposed to know what's going on. Every time you think you have figured out what's going on, you find out you just don't know. And let's just enjoy the show. Let's not have to predict it. That was my rant preseason. Why do we have to predict games? Why do we have to predict who makes the playoffs? Why can't we just watch the show? When I go to the movie, I don't have a list of five things that I think is going to happen in the movie that I'm rooting for to happen so I'm right instead of just enjoying the damn movie. So enjoy it. It's going to be a lot of ups and downs and highs and lows, and everything can change in any given week. One key injury changes everything, as we saw week one. So uh, how do teams react to adversity? That's what ultimately proves who's ready to go compete for a championship, who can avoid the adversity, who can keep their players healthy, who makes the right decisions at the right time. It's all packed so close together, Miles. It's so different from when I was a kid and you had a small handful of great teams you had a small handful of crap teams, and you kind of had everybody else. You knew who was going to be there at the end of the day. And we, we have a feeling right now, but so much football is left to be played, and our perceptions are going to change because the reality is going to change between now and Week 18. Well, certainly, and it always does. But I think, you know, we're getting to what used to be the end of the first quarter of the season. But since they added the 17th game, you cannot now split the season up into quarters. But once you get through the first four games, you kind of start to understand what teams are going to look like. Right? I mean, I think we all understand that the Bears right now look like the absolute worst team in football. You know, and, and the, before the season when you had the power rankings and you were like, well, if Arizona could be 33, that's where they'd be. Like the Bills, the Bills, the Bears should be 34 right now based on all the things that are going on there. And they don't seem to have any kind of direction, which is really unfortunate. But yeah, I think that once we get through this first quarter, then you're kind of like, okay, I understand what the really, really good teams are. We understand what the really, really bad teams are, right? And as we get to the, the six-week mark, then we really kind of know because we're not necessarily halfway through, but we have an understanding of, okay, this is actually a good team. This is probably not a good team. And then this is a bad team. So we're, we're almost getting to where you can really feel those things out. What's amazing about the Cardinals, they gave us no reason to think they had prioritized winning in 2023 given their draft day moves given the way they handled the deandre hopkins cap consequences they could have kept 11 million in cap space around for this year to maybe go out and be buyers at the trade deadline they weren't interested 
Let's take it all this year. Let's take the full $22 million cap charge this year, and then we'll have it next year. Well, you could have kept 11 this year and not used it. You have it around in case you need it, and you kick it to next year if you don't. But they may be like a surprise contender. They may be good despite all appearances that this was a scholarship year where they perhaps set themselves up to go get a Caleb Williams in the draft if he would even go there. They beat the Cowboys. They were competitive in the other two games. It just makes you wonder, is this team going to be far better than, than the people at the top of the organization thought they were going to be this year? They could be the gang that couldn't tank straight by the time it's all said and done. But it was great to see them beat the Cowboys and inject themselves into the conversation. And you're right. If there was a 33, 34, 35, 36, whatever, that's what the Bears would be right now. And 32 faces 31 this weekend. Something's got to give. The four mm-hmm. unbeaten teams, or wait, the four winless teams, slight difference. The four winless teams play <laughs> yeah. in games against one or the other. So it's Vikings, Panthers, and it's Broncos, Bears. So there will mm-hmm. be two winless teams when it's all said and done, barring a tie. And there's only three unbeaten teams left. I can't believe that. After three weeks, only three unbeaten teams left, Miles. Parody, baby. That's what they want. Parody. Everybody can beat everybody in any given week. Yeah, that's what it's going to be. Wouldn't it be funny if there were two ties? That'd be hilarious. And then everybody still stays winless. I think that would be funny. I like chaos when there's no but no risk of anybody getting hurt. So, like, yeah, I think that'd be funny. Oh, I, I, I love chaos, especially when it comes to the NFL. And I like ties because it makes it easier among playoff contenders to – to avoid tiebreakers if you have ties yes. that, that avoid teams having the exact same record. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. The Packers and the Lions will meet on Thursday night for the first time since Detroit ended. Green Bay's playoff chances in 2022. We'll spend some time getting you ready for that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You know, Coach Campbell, to me, like, you ever seen the big green giant? That's what he reminded me of. Like, he's a big, <laughs> big giant human, you know, and he walk around with his chest out. So, um, 
you know, you kind of got to walk how you step around it. But, you know, he, he is a super cool dude. He wants you to make sure that you stay on top of everything and doing everything right. Um, a great coach and definitely super dope to play for a guy like that. David Montgomery calling Dan Campbell the big green giant, and he does look like he slid down a beanstalk from somewhere. He is a very large human being, and he has the Lions pointed in the right direction. They lost in overtime to the Seahawks, but they're otherwise 2-1, and one, and it's 2-1 and one Lions at 2-1 and one Packers, Thursday night football. They will square off on two Thursdays this year. It's Packers at Lions on Thanksgiving. It's Lions at Packers on Thursday night. The Lions are one-and-a-half-point favorites against the Packers, who somehow came back from 17-0 down against the Saints to get the win. And the Lions, who used to be owned by the Packers the same way the Packers own the Bears, the Lions have won three in a row against Green Bay, and those were all Aaron Rodgers' Packers. Now it's Jordan Love for the first time facing the Lions. This, this is... You know, last Thursday night was kind of like eh, the Giants 49ers. What did we really expect, right? That was kind of, It wasn't quite Colts-Broncos from last year, but we knew what it was going to be. Nothing this is a good Thursday night game coming up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, nothing is Colts-Broncos from last year. And that was, that was like pulling teeth without an anesthetic. I mean, my gosh, Al Michaels, I think, told us enough about what that game was last year. And I don't think we need to think about that anymore. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this game. I'm fired up about this game. These are two teams that, you know, can set themselves up well in the division if they win, right? I mean, and these games have been pretty darn competitive. They've been kind of, you know, sloppy. I don't want to say sloppy, but just they're muddled up because they're division games. And when you have a division opponent and you understand what that divisional opponent wants to do and who that divisional opponent is, then sometimes things just start clashing. It's kind of like what we saw with the Browns and Steelers, you know, last week. So I'm excited about this. I think that either one of these teams can end up winning, which is part of the exciting thing about it. And you're still trying to figure out exactly who you're going to be this year, especially with the Packers. You know, you've got a new quarterback in Jordan Love. He's performed well. There have been some throws where you're saying to yourself, wow, okay, if he if he really does this consistently, then we're going to be in a good spot as the Green Bay Packers for another perhaps generation, right, with the way that this guy has shown flashes of playing. Again, he's got to do it consistently. But I I love this matchup because these two teams look like the two teams that are going to be competing for that division title, and both of them look like they could make the playoffs. I made the mistake of peeking ahead on the Thursday night schedule because I thought, hey, we got a pretty good one this week. What else is in the bag? Look away. Plug your ears. (laughs) You don't want to hear this. Next week, Bears at Commanders. Who... Boy, the week after that, why did we do that Broncos again? Broncos at Chiefs. Broncos at Chiefs. Not this even Taylor Swift can save that one. Then Jaguars at Saints. Which okay, in comparison to the others, yeah. Buccaneers at Bills after that. Titans at Steelers, and then and then Panthers okay. at Bears. Oh boy. Oh, sorry, Bezos. <laughs> sorry they didn't do the sorry they didn't do the Thursday night flexing a little bit earlier in the season. And I'm I'm not I mean, I don't I don't find it funny because I love being able to watch one game on Thursday night. 
but there's some Thursday night games coming up that I don't want to watch. So, uh, oh, well, it'll be fun to see what Al says. Let's see what Al says about yeah, Bears yeah. commanders, about Panthers, whoever, about Broncos chiefs. All right. Uh, Panthers bears. I think it was good Lord. Okay. So at least for now, let's enjoy this one. Here's Matt LaFleur coach of the Packers on turning the page quickly after that come from behind win and getting ready to host a division rival. Here's LaFleur. I know the challenge that we have in front of us. We've got a team that we've lost to three consecutive times that knocked us out of the playoffs last year that um, it's an NFC North rival. So I know what they're all about. I mean, it's a tough, gritty team. And we got to make sure that we prepare to the best of our ability to, to give ourselves a chance to go out and win. I just think you see a tough, gritty group. Uh, they, they're an effort-based team, and you can see it all over the tape. No matter what phase you put on, uh, they're going to give you everything they got. And they're a team that they're never out of the fight. You, gotta, you know you're going to battle a full 60 minutes. I mean, look, the Lions really have turned around the entire vibe of the organization. They did step Mm -hmm. in that pothole against the Seahawks, which surprised some people. But they went to Kansas City and won to start the season. Already that's been three weeks ago as of tomorrow. And the Lions are a team to be taken seriously. And the Packers are a team that more people need to take seriously. They were the team that many said, oh, they're just going to stink. Why would you think they're going to stink? And here they are, and they have a chance to beat the Lions tomorrow night. I don't know who I'm going to pick in that one. I'm probably going to go back and forth and back and forth, and I'll delay it as long as I can until the Mega Picks pod tomorrow with Chris Sims. But uh, I could see either team winning. I can make the case for either one. One issue for the Packers has been they've been getting it done without some key players. Aaron Jones, hamstring injury, hasn't played. Christian Watson, we haven't seen him at all this year. The Packers are hopeful they'll be able to play on Thursday night. That would be a huge boost for Green Bay to try to beat the Lions, Miles. No doubt. And, and, you know, Christian Watson said yesterday that that's the plan for him to play. Uh, and then Romeo Dobbs actually like came out and just told reporters that, oh, yeah, we're going to have Aaron Jones back. So, like, okay, that's interesting. So, I, I think getting those guys back in the lineup is certainly going to help that Green Bay Packers offense. But, I mean, look, what, what Jordan Love has been doing with some of those guys, like some of those throws to Romeo Dobbs in that game last week against the Saints, that the last touchdown that he had was just an unbelievable throw. So you see the chemistry that's been developing between the quarterback and the receivers. I'm, I'm interested to see how that can translate when they also have Aaron Jones back on the field. And you see what he did right there against the Chicago Bears in week one. And then you also get a guy like Christian Watson, who I, I believe that was the throw that Jordan Love had last year against the Eagles. That thing went to Christian Watson, right? Where it was just a dimer over the middle and Watson goes all the way down the field. It, it just seems to me like Jordan Love is starting to come into his own. And this is the kind of thing that you should expect from a guy who has been in the league and has been behind Aaron Rodgers, yeah, for a few years. But man, when you've been in the league for this long, you have to come out and show that you know what it is that you're doing. Otherwise, what the hell have you been doing for the last few years? So I think it's good that he's done this. But I think, again, there's that throw. Man, Mike, that, that throw was incredible. Like, that's the kind of thing that you need from Jordan Love, you know, in order for him to be that guy there in Green Bay. So, yeah, there's, there's a new dude. He's throwing well. I like what he's done. Let's see if he can do it on Thursday night against a good Lions opponent. After that win against the Saints on Sunday, I managed to get on a call with him and Peter King. Every once in a while, we have to team up because 
as he and I both try to get people on the phone, these teams seem to believe that Peter King and I are joined arm in arm working on the same. And we're not. He writes his column. I'm getting stuff for Football Night in America. It's apples and oranges. And I've given up trying to get some of these PR people to understand that. So I managed to get on the call with Peter and Jordan. And I asked one question. And it was, do you hear the haters, the critics? And how do you allow that to affect you? And he started off with cliche talk, which is fine, which is fine. Smart. They're trained to do. You're still finding your way through. Right. But as he got going, he cranked up. And at the end, his last line was, who are they to tell me who I am as a player? And that's that's what you want to see. That's like that's like Salty Tua. I love Salty Tua. Every once in a while, you got to drop the facade and 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 maybe stick it back at whoever it is that's trying to bring you down. Who are they to tell me who I am as a player? That's what's lurking inside of Jordan Love. And as he puts good games together, and this is our first look at him in prime time ever, other mm-hmm. than the very brief moments that we saw him against the Eagles on the Sunday night game last week after Aaron Rodgers, or last year, excuse me, after Aaron Rodgers got injured, and he looked pretty damn good. So this is it. This is his chance, and and I think he's going to be ready to go. We almost didn't get him in part because as soon as that game was over, it was get ready for Thursday night. Let's go. Let's start getting ready. Don't even enjoy that win. Let's get ready right. for Thursday night. He knows what this game means to him from the standpoint of how he's going to be perceived. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he should. I mean, it, again, it's everybody wants to say that, oh, I don't read, I don't pay attention, I don't do this, I don't do that. But everybody does. It's a natural human instinct to – if not want to know, then at least at some point here from maybe somebody sends you a text, somebody tells you whatever, somebody get, you get asked about it in a press conference, you, you understand what it is that people are saying about you and what the perception is that is being uh, told or you know follows you around, whatever it happens to be. So this is a big game perception-wise for what we're going to think of both the Packers and the Lions this year, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And look, one of the reasons why the Vikings aren't dead yet, they're probably going to be in a position once they figure out how to score at least one more point than the other team in one game. Once that starts to string together, they're going to potentially pick off the loser of this game as a second place team in the NFC North. And they'll be in position by the time it's all said and done, hovering around eight and nine, nine and eight. 10 and seven, whatever. They'll start winning games. We'll forget about 0 and three. That's how it always goes. And uh, I think the Vikings need to watch this very carefully because at the end of the day, the Bears are going to be the last place team in that division. The Vikings have a chance to finish second, and whoever loses this game is the team the Vikings will be chasing. So very interesting game on Thursday night. The best Thursday night game for a while, as evidenced by my ill-fated attempt to peek ahead at the schedule. Let's take a break. When we return, we will recap the best catches from week three here on this Wednesday edition of PFT Live. Where do you draw confidence at just thinking term for you guys? Um, all we need is one to get this thing going. Um, I don't know if I told you that, but the Lions started 1-6 last year and they almost made the playoffs. So um, just keep that faith, keep going. It's in the big picture. It's the third game of the season, you know. So, uh, you know, we got 14 left at least. So just keep going, keep working. That's it. you got to be confident to be an NFL quarterback. Sometimes you have to be delusional as well. There's a fine line between confidence and delusion. It reminds me of what Vikram once said from the back seat 
of Michael Scott's PT Cruiser about confidence. Confidence is the food of the wise man and the liquor of the fool. So I'll let you decide whether or not it's food or liquor for Justin Fields to suggest that they could win the rest of their games. Although, if they let him play the way that he's capable of playing, they would probably win on Sunday against the Denver Broncos, and then they could just go from there. All right, so today's draft. The one and two or worse team that you have most optimism they can turn things around. There are 15 teams that are one and two or worse, and here's the trivia question, Miles. Let's see if you get it. When is the last time a team started 0-3 and made the playoffs? See, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to get this one. I mean, I know that the Chargers in the early 90s were 0-4 and, and they ended up making the playoffs, but I doubt that it was them because there's probably been an 0-3 team to make it, but I'll just go with the Chargers that started 0-4. Let's see what the answer is. They were 0-4 under Bobby Ross in his first year as the head coach and they turned it around and made the playoffs. The Texans were 0-3 in 2018 and they turned it um... around and made it to the postseason. I'll still give you the first pick anyway. I'm so used to giving the first pick to whoever's co-hosting. Go ahead and take the first pick. Give me a one and two or worse team that you're the most optimistic about. Thank you for your benevolence, uh, dear leader, for that right there. Uh, I'll go with the Bengals first because I, I picked them to be the number one seed in the AFC before the season. I don't know that they're going to be able to do that, especially because we don't know how healthy Joe Burrow is going to be. He's clearly not healthy right now. Right. I mean, you know, he gutted out that performance against the Rams. He was okay, but this is a big test this week for that offensive line going against a Titans defensive front. That is very, very good. So, you know, my cousin, who's not actually my cousin, Jeffrey Simmons can introduce himself to Joe Burrow and we'll see how that thing ends up. But I still feel like given how strong the defense has looked, Right, given the fact that you've still got three top tier receivers in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, they're still gonna be a part of the mix in the AFC. So I'll go with the tight the, the Bengals first, excuse me. I I would have concern about the Bengals because of this Burrow injury. We haven't heard anything about what the aftermath is of playing on Monday night. I think it's something that's going to take several weeks to get even close to 100%. It could be nagging all year long for Joe Burrow. So I'd have a hard time with them as my first pick. I hate to do it, but when you look at the various choices, the one team that I would have optimism can turn things around given – the division they're in, given the conference they're in, given their schedule, is the Minnesota Vikings. Because they've been in every game. They could be 3-0 and as easily as they're 0-3. And unless this is the year that is the mirror image to last year, where every time you flip the coin, it comes up heads last year. This year, every time you flip the coin, it comes up tails. That's not good for the Vikings if this continues. At some point, they have to break it. And if they would lose this week against the Panthers, it could be done. They have to go and win this one and then hope that maybe they get lucky against the Chiefs. I mean, if they beat the Panthers as they should and could steal one at home against the Chiefs, then all of a sudden you got a different vibe around the Vikings. So I think that of these choices, which are not a great collection of choices, the Vikings would be the one that I would be most optimistic about, Miles. Yeah, the Vikings are on my list, too, and in large part because they have the best receiver in the National Football League in Justin Jefferson, who, you know, you should be throwing to when the game is on the line, but that's neither here nor there, and you should have spiked the ball before that play that ended the game. What against a mess the that anyway. was. But, I, I mean, come on. I, I was so disappointed in Kevin O'Connell. It's like that. I, mm, uh, anyway, next pick on this. Because Not that's Kevin O'Connell. Kirk now. Cousins. 
Kirk no, Cousins. both of them. Kirk Cousins what you, had to go you, spike that to, ball. I know. What do you need to communicate for, right? Do this. Like We spike the ball in that situation. I just, I, just I spike just, the ball. I, yeah. I, I mean, come on. Yeah. It, 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 it's bad. Both of them, it, that's not good from that. So, anyway, next pick in this draft. Uh, I'll go with the Jaguars because I feel like even though they're off to a slow start, we know that they have talented players. We know that they have a good coach in Doug Peterson. Uh, they should be able to get themselves back in. And much like the division, you know, where you're talking about with the Vikings, the, the AFC South is not the strongest division, right? The, the Colts have won a couple games and they've looked pretty decent doing it. And I think Shane Steichen is a good coach. I really do. And then you have the Houston Texans and yeah, they've got a young quarterback. They're making things happen a little bit. They obviously just beat the Jags, but that's a divisional opponent. Things happen. You know, the Tennessee Titans, they don't look like they're really going to make much noise, even though with Mike Vrabel, you can never count that club out. But it just seems like the Jaguars, if they can go to London and they beat the Falcons, great. You stay over there and maybe you beat the Bills too. You know, if you come back and you're three and two after that two London game swing, then that creates a lot of different vibes. So I think that the Jaguars have the capability of doing that. We'll see if they actually do. First time ever a team plays back-to-back games in London. And last year it was losing to the Broncos that was the impetus for Trevor Lawrence to realize, if I'm ever going to be a good NFL quarterback, I really have to find next level. And I think right now organizationally they're struggling to find next level. They get two chances in London to do it. Pickens are slim here. I will go with the Giants because they, they ended up in the Cowboys – buzzsaw week one that was a disaster that was a mess that was just a crap happens game they beat the cardinals and they don't have saquon barkley and look it wasn't an embarrassment against the 49ers it was just kind of a suffocation but they get barkley back they just kind of stabilize a little bit i think they can improve and i think they're in position to maybe swipe the seven seed by the time it's all said and done. And I say that largely because I look at these other teams and I'm like, I don't believe in any of the other teams. The Giants are the team that I am not most optimistic about, but least pessimistic about when you look at all the teams that give you reason for pessimism. Yeah. And, and, you know, we saw the Giants last year do some things, right? So we don't think that Brian Table is a bad coach. You know, maybe when they get Saquon back, things start to turn a little bit better offensively. But, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I mean, it is slim pickings here as I look at my last pick. And I don't know, man. It's not even that I'm feeling that optimistic about this team. But the Chargers have the best quarterback of the rest of the bunch. So I'll go with the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, look, Justin Herbert looked phenomenal against the Vikings the other day. And, you know, that – pick that almost happened notwithstanding that ended up being you know the game-winning touchdown I mean that's he is really ascending right now and it's almost like well can they get the stuff around him right so that it's not hold your breath hold your breath hold your breath at the end of the game and see if the defense can come up with a stop that makes sure that you know they're not uh, on the wrong side of it at the end of the game I mean they in theory, like both of those teams should have won that game and both of those teams should have lost that game between Chargers and Vikings. And it was just some baffling decisions at the end of it, not necessarily with deciding to go for it, but what is the play call? I mean, if it's fourth and one and Justin Herbert, who's good at sneaking, you know, is on the field, why aren't we just sneaking the ball? I don't know, but 
that I guess because Herbert's the best quarterback of the bunch, that is a reason for optimism if you're looking at the Chargers. That, that's a good point. And you know what? I feel oh. like just ending the draft here. I, there's no other team that I feel optimistic about. I mean, the Titans just went to Cleveland and were outclassed on both sides of the ball. I love me some Mike Vrabel, but I just don't think they have the players this year. Yeah. You look at the, the Rams. I mean, are the Rams really going to be in a position to pick off one of the wild card spots in the NFC? Mm. I, Matthew Stafford, I think – as long as he's 100%, uninjured, perfectly healthy, he can help you win. Monday night was the kind of game that you're going to have some secret Matthew Stafford injuries. And I mean secret from the standpoint of he doesn't even tell the team. He just shuts yes. up and deals with it. And eventually protect you him. get to the point where you're not the guy. you're not the guy you were. Right. They can't protect him. He got banged around. He's an old 35. Like he's not going to have that same zip. Exactly. So I can't have faith in them. I don't have faith in any of them. I'm going to pass for the first time ever. I am passing wow. the pick. It's over. It's done with five selections. There is no other team about whom I feel optimistic. We're going to take a break. We'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFC Live right after this. Seattle's had an adventure on their way home from Las Vegas. Plane was diverted to Kansas City. Emergency landing. They lost seven hours in all while waiting for another plane to get them back to Pittsburgh. They sat on the plane for three hours. As someone who sat on a plane for three hours a couple of weeks ago, that is not fun, especially if the plane is hot. But Mike Tomlin yesterday in his Tuesday press conference making it clear that it's not an excuse, it won't be an excuse. It can't be an excuse. It can't be. They lost some time. They tried to make the best use of it. You just factor that into your week and you get ready for the next game because that train is coming down the tracks no matter what. No one's going to feel sorry for you. They're not going to move the game to Monday night to accommodate. That's just the way it is, Miles, and Tomlin's got the right attitude. There can be no excuse because nobody cares. Just be ready to play right. when it's time to start the game. Absolutely. And if anybody's got the right attitude to handle that, it, it's Mike Tomlin. You know, he's been at this for a long time. And it's one of those situations where, as you just said, nobody cares. Work harder, come in, prepare, and let's go win a game because that's all we need to do. One week after another, train coming down the tracks, regardless of whether or not the plane got home when it was supposed to, and the Steelers will not ever make an excuse of anything like this. We'll see if it makes a difference on Sunday against the Texans, and we'll see what happens throughout the course of the day. We'll have it all updated at ProFootballTalk.com. Thanks for some of your time. See you tomorrow. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselcumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an 
infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 